Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome to this bonus episode of 15 Minute Film Fanatics. Everybody knows the popular Christmas movies. You got It's a Wonderful Life. You've got uh, The Bishop's Wife. You've got The Bells of St. Mary's. You've even got Die Hard. Um, I even go so far as to say The Godfather because of that scene where they walk by Radio City. But one Christmas movie I had never seen is one that Mike urged me to see, which is the 1940 film Remember the Night, written by Preston Sturges, starring Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. I watched it last night. Mike and I are now recording this on the morning of Christmas Eve, so we can drop this bonus Christmas episode today. I thoroughly loved it. Mike, why did you want me to see this movie? I was not sold on this movie. Somebody asked me to watch it with them, uh, and I, I just kind of happened to watch it by accident, and I came in first on the scene where uh, Barbara Stanwyck's defense attorney is trying to convince the jury that she only stole the diamond uh, bracelet because she was hypnotized by the diamond. It's absolutely incredible. And what's so funny about it is that it, you, you, can't, you can't play enchanting the same way that you can't be fake charming. You know, the, his, the defense attorney is essentially his character because we're just as drawn in by how, by how crazy uh, the, the monologue is. Um, I guess we'll get to the ending in a second, uh, but as the movie went on, I started to realize that I was in really good hands with the way that the screenwriter was was shaping the movie because there's a lot of ways, there, maybe there's no secret list in this episode, but there's a lot of ways in which this could have been hokey, uh, but this movie's not hokey at all. And in fact, it seems to know how hokey it could get and it it, it resists it at every turn. And it's certainly resisted at the ending, which is a different kind of ending than you expect. I found moments of it strangely moving. Like, um, like you know, you, you love how cool Frederick Murray is. And, you know, you can't take your eyes off Barbara Stanwyck. I mean, she's so pretty in this, it almost hurts your eyes. To, it, like, it almost burns out your retinas, how good looking she is. And when she's in court and, and she's got her mix stole on. And, and he's really cool, Frederick Murray, like with his, his um, slick back hair and his sweater vest, smoking a cigarette and stuff. But um, there's these strange moments before he gets to the end where... where um, where uh, he plays my Indiana home when they go out to dinner. And then she says, um, uh, you know, is your mother still alive? And she gets really quiet. And, and it's like kind of like a str it's like a strange off-putting moment, right? And she says, uh, I hope my mother will be glad to see me. Says, of course she'll be glad to see you. And then you find out what happened later on. But there's these moments in there that I think built up that make the ending earned. Yes. Uh, well, so one of those moments is, uh, it's very easy for this movie to be some kind of justification for thievery or some, yeah. some weird kind of anti-logic. <laughs> but they have they also have a lot of fun with it as well because you know Barbara Stanwyck is is asking Fred McMurray's character as a DA if you were starving the only way for you to live is to steal right. a loaf of bread and you were walking around the bread stall and nobody was around and it, you were going to die would you steal one and he said sure is that why you do what you do and she said no I would be next door eating a seven course meal with some sucker that I conned into getting it for me because that's that's the difference between the two of us um, and. That's that seems like a glorification or, or a joke, even wrapped in her, you know, her delivery. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, I love Double Indemnity. So the reason that I was I was sold on watching the movie, or at least giving it a chance, is because of the chemistry between Fred McMurray yeah. and Barbara Stanwyck, which is electric. It's it's absolutely great. But that's but that's one of that those moments where you thought that this could be some kind of gag for their chemistry. But the movie is not actually going to let that nugget go of why she does what she does, whether it's right or not. And, but it's going to hide it inside this uh, down-home uh, country Christmas. 
And it's funny how little you care about that as a viewer. So you get the scene where you find out that her mother humiliated her in the town because she stole those bonds. And that's why she was branded a thief. And says, oh, that's since you called me a thief, I'm going to be a thief. But it's funny how little you as a viewer care about that because she's so charming. And like, they're both so likable. Like, if that's the worst thing she did was steal that bracelet, like, okay, that's fine. And even at the end when she decides to come clean and she, it's like, it's got to come from me and I have to reform myself and she confesses to the judge. I, as a viewer, last night watching this, I was like, wait a you're gonna mess just shut up let, let Frederick Murray talk with you're gonna you're get, he's got the whole thing figured out he's gonna lose on purpose they don't want to send some woman like what are you doing so it's funny how much you're on their side well I'm gonna skip format and just get to my moment go ahead which is uh you know for for the purpose of our viewers you, you got to go out and just see this movie it's for free right now on Peacock which is NBC's streaming app just just watch the movie it's like it's 90 minutes in now and then listen to the rest of our podcast and then listen to the rest, you'll, you'll, you'll not regret it. But that's what makes that moment so hurtful when she's been spending Christmas with the family and the mother comes around and touches her on the shoulder and says, I, I hope you know how much we've loved having you here. But, you know, my son worked really hard to stay where he, to, to get where he is. Please stay away from him. Yeah. That is a sucker punch blow. Yeah. You like... Other movies try to do scenes like this where somebody asks somebody to stay away from somebody else, but it always villainizes one or the other. Yeah. It always villainizes either the person who's like, no, I'm going to stay by him anyway, or it villainizes the person who just doesn't understand. But in, in, in that scene, everybody understands everybody else and the audience understands them. Nobody's condescended to. She's not condescending to Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck is not condescending back to her. The screenwriters are not condescending to the audience. Everybody's on the level, and that's what makes the scene great. Yeah, it's not the, the hand-wringing evil mother who, when she gets Barbara Stanwyck alone, says, you're not going to come near my boy. And it's funny because that scene starts out as a great as a great gag because I had my favorite line in the movie, which is she says, you know, he loves you. And then Barbara Stanwyck says, no, he doesn't. And she says, well, he kissed you, didn't he? And she says, well, I'm not exactly ugly. <laughs> So you think it's going to be that scene, and then she and it is a sucker punch where she says he worked very hard, so you better stay away from him. But this, um, the other thing about this movie is that it ends more times than Return of the King. You, know, like, <laughs> you think it's going to end when they yeah. leave the farm, and then it's going to end in Canada, and then it's going to end with them in the cab, and then it's going to end with them in court, and then but finally it ends with the bars between them. Yeah. That's a, that's well, you know. Yeah, and you know that it's got the classic trope of, um, you know, um, a good looking guy has beautiful woman in front of him, but can't see her. That's, you know, that's bringing a baby. That's a million other movies we love, right? It's got that. And it's funny how, like, we love to talk on this show about information and who knows what. So the person with the least amount of information is, is Fred McMurray because he thinks he's in a different movie. She knows more than he, she kind of knows he's falling for her as it goes on. And we as the viewer know that just by virtue of them being fictional characters in this movie, they have to end up together. But I think that the movie, like you said, Return of the King, that's a great bit because it keeps playing with the ending and it keeps playing with your emotions like I don't know maybe it was just because I was in a good mood and it was December 23rd but when she says will you hold my hand when they sentence me now one of the things that struck me when I watched it, I'm like this is a mic thing on the page that would look ridiculous and we would circle that and write come on but when she says will you hold my hand when they sentence me I, I thought that was kind of moving yes that is um that is a tough thing to hear and it, it it's also a, it's a difficult thing to say uh, which is why it's it's such a brilliant moment. Uh, I felt in very good hands this this yeah. entire movie. Uh, this this movie uses a sort of hokiness to trick you into some very vicious moments. Like for example, where they uh, the scene where the mom tells Barbara Stanwyck's character not to come near her son only works 
because everybody's gotten her Christmas presents and like got her extra socks and knitted her extra clothes and tried to make sure that she could go to the dance. These, these are not vicious people. And the screenwriter knows the exact amount of time and activities that it would take yeah. in order to convince you of that, such that, that what's coming out of her mouth is not a misunderstanding. It's a perfect understanding, but it's also a blow to the audience. It's not what you want to hear. It, like it hurts coming in. And that's why I think the scene where they put her, where um, they, where uh, Frederick Murray's aunt dresses Barbara Stanwyck up in the corset, you know, that's symbolic. She's becoming one of the family. She's gonna, she's, she's come back to her Hoosier roots. And that's all a setup for that scene with Beulah Bondi telling her to stay away. It's funny you said about that they all, um, you know, they're, they're all, we're all taken in by this movie because it goes back to what we said before about hypnosis. You know, we all get hypnotized as viewers to, to, to believe something. That's what great movies do, right? They hypnotize you into believing the most improbable, silly things and still having an emotional reaction to it where on paper you might not. Yes, uh, I, because I think that there's one of those hurdles to get over the first time that he, he tells the bail bondsman to bring her up to, you know, that might. Uh, to get her out of jail. Not, he doesn't tell her to, to bring her up to his apartment, but he shows up, she shows up at the apartment and she thinks that she's in, in one kind of movie. And, yeah. But, you know, he, and, and he, he acts like, you know, he acts like an idiot. Like he, he doesn't right. know what she's talking about. But then, but then they see the judge and then it, it turns out that they're going the same way. Uh, Everything in this movie is improbable, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. Like all good movies do. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you liked our bonus episode on Remember the Night. You could follow us on Twitter at 15MINFilm. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back. We already said Merry Christmas. We won't take up too much of your time, but uh, Daniel decided to drop some nuggets on me after the fact, and uh, I, I insist that you also hear them. Uh, Daniel. Tell them what you just told me. Well, that's Sterling Holloway, the guy that plays Willie. Uh, I, when I was watching the movie, I'm like, why do I know that voice? Why do I know that voice? And I, I just, I, I paused the movie and I quickly looked and it turns out he did the voice of the snake in the Jungle Book. And then I felt better. I'm like, okay, that's where I know it from. But I'm like, no, there's something else. And only later did I find out he's also the voice of Winnie the Pooh. That's crazy. You recognize the guy who did Winnie the Pooh in a movie 20 years before the fact? No, I cheated on Winnie the Pooh because I looked him up, but I, but I recognized him. I recognized his voice, and I'm like, that's a cartoon character. And then I looked it up, and I saw he was in the Jungle Book. So that's a little fun fact for everybody out there. All right. That's, uh, that's your stocking gift, everybody. Take care. Right. Take See care. You in the Bye. Here.